have your Bibles with you this morning. You can turn with me. Uh, well, uh, again, we're in, in various locations, but our, our main text, our starting text is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 11, uh, as well as verse uh, 28 on over there in the next, uh, at the, the end of that chapter. We're looking at the spiritual gifts. We've been on the spiritual gifts now for, I guess this is the fourth fourth or fifth week that we've been looking at spiritual gifts. I've been working through 1 Corinthians. We got here to the spiritual gifts and we've kind of pushed the pause button. So here we are. We're working on the spiritual gifts. Uh, And today we're looking at the uh, permanent gifts, the edifying gifts, and looking at the serving gifts. This is part two of the serving gifts. If you would, while you're there, just flip over to Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I want to start there this morning. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is the early church. This is right there at the very beginning. Christ has returned to heaven, and the early church has been is being established. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 22, 42, we see the attitude of the church. We see what's going on in the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, had, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I read that this morning because here we see uh, the attitude of that early church. Uh, The church was working together and growing together. They had all things in common. They were selling off possessions and they had all things in common. Now, that's not a prescription of, of the New Testament. That's just a de- description of what they were doing. But it, it indicates to us that they had this attitude of unity, this attitude of cooperation. They were working together. The members were, were using their God-given gifts and talents together for the greater benefit of the church and for the glory of God. And, and that's how we should be. We should continue that same kind of spirit. We should have that same kind of spirit today in our own church. As the church works together, as all the members of the body function, as God intends them to function, then there is blessing in the church and growth. God was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church was seeing a great explosion in growth because the members of the body were working together, cooperating together in the work of the ministry. On the other hand, 
the church in which only a few carry out the full burden of the ministry, there is usually first conflict. There's conflict and there is actually little to no growth in that kind of a church. When 2% of the people are doing 90% of the work, there's conflict, right? And God doesn't bless that. And the church doesn't see the growth that God would allow them to see if the whole body was working and functioning together. So understanding your spiritual gifts and employing those gifts in the service of the church is vitally important to the life and vitality of the church. We need you here in the church using your spiritual gifts for the edification of the church. Whatever your spiritual gift may be, whatever your spiritual gift may be, we need you to use them for the glory of God and the edification of the church. So we've been looking at the spiritual gifts, and there are two kinds of spiritual gifts. There are the temporary sign gifts, which we'll, we'll look at next week. And then there, there are the permanent edifying gifts, which we've been looking at over the last four weeks. There are, under the, the heading of spiritual edifying gifts, you remember there are two, two subheadings here. There are the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. The speaking gifts, as we said a while back, are God's special gifts to, the, to edify the church in the word of truth. They're God's special gifts to edify the church in the word of truth. These are the teaching gifts, the proclaiming gifts. They proclaim the word of God. The six speaking gifts are prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, teaching, exhortation, and evangelism. And then last week we started with the serving gifts, and we said the serving gifts are God's special gifts to equip the church for the work of the ministry. The serving gifts are God's special gifts to equip the church for the work of the ministry. And there are nine serving gifts. There are nine serving gifts that God equips the church with to uh, accomplish the work of the ministry. So last week we considered the first four. So let's just review those briefly. First, there is the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership. The gift of leadership is the ability to provide direction and goals to a group and bring together resources and people that work together to accomplish those goals. So that's leadership. Provides vision. Provides direction. And then there's the gift of administration. The gift of administration is the ability to steer God's people into effective channels of service by understanding the resources needed to accomplish goals and plans. They're the planners, right? They're the planners. They're the ones who are able to, to take the resources, see all the resources, the finances, and, and everything, and put those together so that the church can accomplish the goals set before them. We said that uh, leadership, is the, uh, leadership is doing the right things, and administration is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. Administration is doing things right. So just that slight nuance of difference there. 
and we need both leaders and administrators, of course, in the church. Third, there was the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment is the ability to know with confidence if individuals, teachings, or motives are from God. So we, they're, they're able to discern the spirits, and we need those people to help protect the church from false teachings that are all around us. And then fourth, there's the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith is, is different from faith, right? We, we all have faith. If we're a, a follower of Jesus Christ, if we're a Christian, we all have faith in Christ. But the gift of faith is a step above. Uh, the gift of faith is the ability to believe God's promises and act with unwavering confidence and carrying out his will. So the gift of faith is the faith that uh, moves mountains, if you will. Right? It's just solid and always moving forward. So that catches us up where we are today. So today we start, uh, we pick up from there. And our next three gifts, our next three gifts are somewhat similar in nature, but we need to, to see the nuances between the three gifts. The first of these three is our fifth serving gift, the gift of service. The gift of service. The gift of service, we see this in the list on, in Romans 12, we won't read there because it's just listed. So Romans 12, 7 is where it's listed. But the gift of service is the ability to identify, assist, and support ministries to, effective, uh, to effectively accomplish their desired result. Let me read that again. The gift of service is the ability to identify, assist, and support ministries to effectively accomplish their desired results. So that's the gift of, of service. The gift of service is task-oriented. It is task-oriented, or it is ministry-oriented, right? Rather than necessarily people-oriented. It, it's focused on a task. Uh, there, there's something that needs to be accomplished. There's a ministry being launched, and and someone needs to, to step in and, and do something. And so a person with the gift of service, they're going to step in there and they're going to fill that position because it needs to be filled. They need to serve. They want to see that ministry accomplished. So, so they're going to jump in there and they are going to serve. These are your most reliable volunteers. These are your most reliable volunteers. They will do anything for ministry success they'll do anything for ministry success and if there's a spot to be filled in the church and and no one else is willing to fulfill it someone with the gift of service is liable to just jump in there they're liable to jump in they're liable to take it on because they want to serve they want to serve they want to to get in there and serve they're they're often behind the scenes kind of people uh, they don't have to be out front they don't have to be recognized or noticed for what they have done, but, but they're just happy behind the scenes serving the church to see the ministry of the church accomplished. Uh, we see the, the gift of service in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, and the establishment of the office of deacons. I mean, deacons are 
servants. That's the, the office of deacon is, a, is an office of service. And so certainly those who are deacons uh, often have the gift of service. So many of them have the gift of service. But we see this, this established here in, in uh, Acts chapter 6, and it gives a great example of someone with the gifts of service. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, they, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Prochorus and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paramenas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So here are men who are willing to take up the responsibility of serving tables, making sure that widows have their daily distribution of food. They're, they're serving so that the preaching of the word can go on without hindrance, so that the apostles and the, the preachers, the proclaimers, they could, they could get on with the word of the ministry and, and not be distracted by other things. So that's the gift of service. They are willing to do just about anything to, to see the ministry of the church succeed. Now, the, the, where we see the, the gift of service sometimes going awry, uh, this is kind of the occupational hazard for people with the gift of service, oftentimes they'll jump into a place where they're not gifted. They'll jump into a place that's, that they're not gifted in that. Uh, sometimes we'll see uh, those with the gift of service teaching life groups or Sunday school classes uh, because you couldn't find anybody to fill that spot? All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, they may not be able to teach their way out of a wet sack, right? But, but they're there because they're servants, and they want to fill that position. They want to see the ministry succeed, so they're going to do it. And so oftentimes, servants, people with the gift of service, they actually jump into to spots that they shouldn't jump into because they want to serve. And so that's just the kind of a downfall of the gift of service, if you will, uh, something that those with that gift have to watch out for. But, but man, do we need those with the gift of service to jump in and serve. We need people with the gift of service to serve. We need servants, right? Uh, when we have a church fellowship, we need people with the gift of service to, to set up tables and tear down tables and to, to clean up, to wash dishes, to, to serve the food. We need people with the gift of service there working and using their gift of service. Uh, we have a, a bunch of servants up there in the, in the balcony, guys and gals who have the gift of service. Uh, they're, they're, they're fine being up there behind the scenes, 
working to make sure that the sound is just right and the media is run right and, and the PowerPoints are, are on, on like they're supposed to be. And, by the way, we need a few more up there. We need some, they, they need some backup just in case one of them wants to go on vacation or, or ha- gets, a, gets sick, you know, they, they need somebody to come in and fill in. So if you have the gift of service and you also have a talent for media type things, uh, whether that be sound or, you know, on the internet type stuff, uh, hey, come and see me because we can plug you in and find you a place to use your, your gifts and talents. But we need people with the gift of, of service serving. Uh, we, we often have special events and projects that goes on throughout the year where we need people with the gift of service to come and serve do whatever might need to be done. So we need our servants. So that's the the gift of service. Next is the gift of helps. The gift of helps. Now this is really close to the gift of service, but we need to, to see the nuance here. The gift of helps is the ability to help other members be more effective in using their gifts within the body. Let me say that again. The gift of helps is the ability to help other members be more effective in using their gifts within the body. So a person with the, with the gift of service, they're more task-oriented, right? But the per, a person with the gift of helps, they're more people-oriented. A person with the gift of helps is more people-oriented. Uh, they like more one-on-one type of relationship. They like to help other Christians employ their gifts more effectively. They like to see others take off and soar in their place of service. They're very much behind-the-scenes type of people. They work behind the scenes, letting other people take the credit, right? The gift of, the gift of helps. We see this exemplified in, in the New Testament in Romans. Romans chapter 16, Phoebe, we find out, was a, a person with the gift of helps. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, Paul is commending Phoebe here. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at uh, Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her and whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron or a helper, a helper of many and of myself as well. Here's a, a woman who helped many in the church, and especially Paul. He, he recognized that uh, when, as he was out ministering to the people, as he was proclaiming the gospel from place to place, uh, she would come by him and, and come up beside him and help him help him so that his ministry would soar so that the gospel would go out all the more she was a helper to him and so is the person with the gift of helps has has anyone ever heard of the name uh, stephanie wills stephanie wills anybody heard the name stephanie wills Nope, not a soul has ever heard of the, the name Stephanie Wills. Stephanie Wills was the secretary of Billy Graham. She was Billy Graham's secretary. 
right? She helped him. She took things off of his plate so he could focus in on, on the more important things that he needed to focus in on, on evangelism, right? She was his secretary. She had the gift of helps. She had the gift of helps. We've never heard her name, but yet, what would Billy Graham be without his secretary helping him along the way? Man, such a vital uh, ministry, such a vital gift. I'm so thankful for both Keith and Marion. I mean, they, they help me day in and day out, taking things off of my desk, out of my plate, taking care of them so I don't have to worry about them. I can focus on preaching God's Word and, and pastoring the church. I'm so thankful they have the gift of helps. You know, with the, the shelter-at-home order at the beginning of this COVID pandemic, we had some members of our, our community here who are those immunocompromised individuals, and, and some of them needed groceries, right? They needed groceries or our medicines picked up, and we had a group of people with the gift of helps who, who stepped in there, and they went out and they uh, carried out those, those just small, seems like just usual tasks, and, and they were more than happy to go out and take care of those to help those people who had some needs. So there's always a place for people with the gift of helps to serve. Man, we, we need some volunteers in the nursery. Volunteers in the nursery, that's more one-on-one. -on -one. You're, you're taking care of the kids in there. And, and as our, our nursery grows, man, we need some, some more helpers in there. So if you have the, uh, 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 the gift of helps and, and would like to serve in the nursery, man, see Miss Marion and, and let her know she, she needs some help back there. We need help in the, the life groups. I mean, you can help your life group leader. Just think about that. Your life group leader uh, wants to be there welcome, welcoming people into the class. Uh, you could help them by filling out the, the roll call for them. As people are coming in, I'm such a simple way to use that gift to free up your life group leader so that they can, can talk and, and welcome people into the classroom while you're just, just doing that, just filling out that, that form for them. Uh, greeters. Man, we, we need some greeters. We, we've got some folks who do a great job, especially those on security. You do a great job of greeting people as they're coming in, but, but we need some other greeters as well. And I'm going to talk more about that at the end of the service, but, but we need other greeters as well who are there to, to help the senior citizens and the, and the mothers get in and into the church. Man, that, that's a place for you to utilize your gift if you have the gift of help. So that's the gift of helps, someone who helps other members be more effective in using their gifts for the body. So we have the gift of service that, that focuses on the advancement of ministries, while the gift of helps focuses on helping individuals be more effective. Next is the gift of mercy, the gift of mercy, the third in our three here. The gift of mercy, we see it listed in Romans 12 list, Romans 12, 8. The gift of mercy is the ability to feel the hurt of others and genuinely express sympathy and provide comfort, comfort for those people. 
Let me say that again. The gift of mercy is the ability to feel the hurt of others and genuinely express sympathy and provide comfort for those people. So again, much like the gift of helps, the gift of mercy is is far more people-oriented. It is people-oriented. The people with the gift of mercy, they can sympathize and even oftentimes empathize with the broken and the needy. They can sympathize and empathize with the broken and the needy. Someone who, who is in need. Someone who is in need. The, oh, the person with the gift of mercy, they, they run for that person. They want to help that person out. They want to take care of that person. They are very compassionate people. Of course, Jesus can... Uh, illustrate many of these gifts if any person had all of the gifts uh, Jesus had all of them but he certainly demonstrates over and over the gift of mercy for us Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 when Jesus saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd Matthew 14 14 when when he was, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus had great compassion for people. And that is a, a person with the gift of, of mercy. They have great compassion for the needs of others. Another illustration of this comes from Luke chapter 10, the, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan demonstrates uh, the gift of helps in so many ways for us. You remember the story of the, or the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was a guy laying on, in the ditch, basically. He had been beaten by thieves, by robbers. He had been beaten and left for dead. And here comes a priest coming up and, and sees the man laying there left for dead. And what does the priest do? The priest walks around on the other side of the road, gets as far away from him as he, as he can to get away from him. A Levite comes by next and sees him. And again, the Levite goes way around him uh, to stay away from him. But then comes the Samaritan. And the Samaritan looks upon the man and he has compassion for him. He sees a man who is desperately in need. He's going to die if he doesn't get medical attention. And here's the Samaritan. He comes to him. He picks him up. He puts him on his, his donkey. He takes him to the end. He, he takes care of his wounds. He cleanses his wounds. He puts ointments on, ointment on his wounds. And, and then he leaves money for the innkeeper the innkeeper to to take care of the man and says, hey, if, if you have any other expenses along the way, go ahead and spend it. I'll, I'll, I'll clear up the bill next time I'm through. Right? He, he, he was a man who had great compassion, and that's a person with the gift of mercy. They see someone in need, and they run to that person to help that person out, to try to take care of that need. Or, or at least just be a shoulder to cry on. Sometimes they're just that, right? A shoulder to cry on. Someone to feel the pain with that person, that, whatever that person may be going through. 
So we certainly need people with the gift of mercy. The church always needs people with the gift of mercy. We need people with the gift of mercy to, to visit the sick and the homebound. Man, those are, that's a group of people who are in need, and sometimes all they need is a visit. And so we need people with the gift of mercy to, to visit the sick and the homebound. Uh, we need people with the gift of mercy to give rides to, a ride to someone who uh, is unable to drive. Sometimes people get to a point where they cannot, can no longer drive, but they still want to come to church. Man, if they had somebody with the gift of mercy to reach out and say, hey, you need a ride, I'll, I'll come by and pick you up. We need people with the gift of mercy to, to volunteer at Care and Hope. Pam always needs people down there to help out and help pass out food. I mean, that's a wonderful place for a gift of a person with the gift of mercy to exercise that gift. A lot of broken and needy there who need a kind hand and a kind heart to help the benevolence team, preparing meals for uh, those who have lost loved ones, preparing and serving meals there for those who have lost loved ones. What a place to use that gift of mercy. So we definitely need those with the gift of mercy to exercise their gift in the church. There's always a place, plenty of places to serve with the gift of mercy. So there we have the gifts of service, helps, mercy, very common gifts in the church and very needed gifts in the church. Another gift that is often uh, or is always needed, of course, is the gift of giving. The gift of giving. The gift of giving, again, is, is listed in the Romans 12 list. In Romans 12, 8. But the gift of giving is the gift of, uh, is the ability to give possessions and finances above a tithe to God's work with a cheerful and willing spirit. The gift of giving is the ability to give possessions and finances above a tithe to God's work with a cheerful and willing spirit. So uh, make clear, that's above the tithe. So you give your tithe to the church week in and week out, but any other uh, thing that comes along, any ministry need, any physical need that needs to be met, and, and you can meet that, you, you've got the, either the finances or the material uh, substance to, to fill that need, you are willing to give it. Someone with the gift of, of giving freely give to meet a need. They freely give to meet a, a need. Whether they give money, sometimes it's financial, so they're able to give money. Sometimes it's possessions, material possessions. Uh, this is the kind of person that will literally give you the shirt off their back if that's what you need. Right, that's a person with the gift of giving. They will give flawlessly. Right? They will give uh, till it hurts to make, other, make sure other people are taken care of. So they freely give to meet a need, but they, they don't just freely give, they cheerfully give, they joyfully give, they love giving, they have a passion for giving. Man, they'll, they'll, give, the, they'll give it all away and rejoice in doing so, right? 
That's a person with the gift of giving. And you need to understand that you don't have to have wealth to be a person with the gift of giving. You don't have to have wealth. You don't have to be rich to be a giver. The poor widow in Luke 21 demonstrates this for us well. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, two pennies. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And some of the, the best givers often don't have two dimes to rub, rub together, but they'll give those two dimes away if somebody needs those two dimes. That's a person with the gift of giving. Uh, John Wesley, the father of uh, the Methodist church, he was a great giver. He had definitely had the gift of giving. In 1731, John Wesley made 30 pounds per year, roughly $30 a year. That was, uh, I, I guess that was, that was the average wage back in those days. I looked it up, and that was an average wage back in, in 1700s. But in 1731, he, he made 30 pounds per year, and he figured, out, he figured out that he could live off of 28 pounds. So up until this point, it, he had lived, well, he used all of his money, right? He, he used it all. He, he spent it all. And, and one time, along, somewhere along the way that year, uh, there was a, a woman there who needed a coat, and he could not afford to buy her a coat because he had spent all of his money on himself. And so he made this decision. At that point, God spoke to his heart and said, you just need to live on what you can live on and give the rest away. And that's what he did. So in 1731, he made 30 pounds, and he lived off of 28 pounds and gave the other two pounds away. The next year, his income doubled. He ended up making 60 pounds that year. He lived off of 28 pounds and gave 32 pounds away. The next year, his salary went up to 90 pounds. And he lived off of 28 pounds and gave 62 pounds away. The next year, his salary went up to 120 pounds. And he again lived off of 28 pounds and gave 92 pounds away. One year, he made a little over 1,400 pounds. He lived on 30 pounds and gave the rest away. That's a person with the gift of giving. They think little of spending, very little of spending money on themselves. They would rather give their money away, give their possessions away to others who might have a greater need. Man, we have a lot of wonderful givers in our church, and we're so thankful for those givers. Every time we have a need arise, it is typically quickly met because we have such great givers in First Bastrop. Man, I'm thankful for you. If you have the gift for giving, we need you to, to use that gift. We need you to, 
to, to help us fund special missions and ministry opportunities that come up throughout the year. At times, there are special needs that arise within the church family. We have church loved ones who, who have a, a need that needs to be met, and we need those who have the gift of giving to give money, food, clothing, whatever it may be to help fill those needs. We need you to exercise your gift of giving. So we have the, the serving gifts, leadership, administration, discernment, faith, serving, helps, mercy, and giving. And finally, we come to our final serving gift, the gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality. The gift of hospitality is mentioned in 1 Peter 4, 9, but the gift of hospitality is the ability to cheerfully provide an open house to those in need of food and lodging. The gift of hospitality is the ability to cheerfully provide an open house to those in need of food and lodging. Now, we need to understand that hospitality is a command for all Christians. We should all be hospitable, just like we all should be merciful, and we should all serve, and we all, all should help, but uh, we are all commanded to be hospitable. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 through 34 tells us, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now this was to the Israelites, of course, but it, it is relevant for us today as well. We should be hospitable. We should be hospitable to those who, who are strangers to us, to make them feel welcome at home, in our church, and in our homes. So a person with the, uh, the, spirit, but a, the person with the gift of hospitality, with the spiritual gift of hospitality, uh, they are very much people-oriented. This is a, very much a people-oriented gift. Uh, they want to make sure that guests feel welcome and at home, whether it be in their homes or even in the church. They want guests to feel welcome and at home. They want them to feel comfortable. We see this demonstrated in Scripture in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We see Lydia. Lydia was a, a woman who had the gift of hospitality. Acts chapter 16. That's Romans. Acts chapter 16. Fourteen and fifteen. So Paul here is in uh, Philippi, in Macedonia, in Philippi, and he has preached the gospel, and Lydia has received the gospel. Verse fourteen: One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the town, from the city of uh, Thyatira a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, she urged us, saying, 
if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Come to my house, right? If I found favor in the Lord, right, you, you see God in me, come to my house. I want you to stay with me a while. That's a person with the gift of hospitality. Now, I am hospitable, but I don't have the gift of hospitality. Mary Beth has the gift of hospitality. In fact, she just brought me a, a sign, and I, I was going to bring it, and I forgot it, but she brought me a sign, and, and my sign says, Welcome to our home. Please leave by nine. That's me. <laughs> and a lot of you know that's me. Uh, if you come visit, you, you're welcome until 9, but I'm going to bed at 9. Yeah, you can stay and hang out a while and lock up when you leave, but I'm going to bed at 9. I'm early to bed, early rise. So that's me. I, I, I'm hospitable, but I don't have the gift of hospitality. Mary Beth, on the other hand, has the gift of hospitality. Uh, now, one time there was a Baptist preacher, a Jewish rabbi, and an Amish farmer riding in a wagon. And no, this is not a joke. Right, this was, I was the Baptist preacher. Uh, and so here we go. We were in the Amish country, uh, vacationing, seeing everything. And so we wanted to take one of those Amish buggy rides, carriage rides, out to see all the Amish country there. And so we did that. And so we get into the wagon there. And across from us is a, a Jewish rabbi. I mean, he was a, a, a for real Jewish rabbi. Had the hat and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so here he was, this Jewish rabbi, he's sitting across from us, and we have the, the Amish farmer driving the cart for us. And we're starting down the road, going along on the road, and Mary Beth starts to take up a, a conversation with the Jewish couple there. And uh, they start talking about all the places they've been and we've been and all that kind of stuff. And, and Mary Beth asks them, uh, have you ever been to Arkansas? We were living in Arkansas at the time. Uh, and, of course, y'all know we're from Arkansas, so we love Arkansas. And so she said, have y'all ever been to Arkansas? Well, no, we've never been to Arkansas. That's one place we've never made it to. Well, you should come to Arkansas. You need to come. That's a beautiful state. You need to come to Arkansas. And, in fact, when you come, you can just stay with us. Like, Mary Beth, we don't know these people. We don't know them. He says he's a rabbi, but he could be an axe murderer. I mean, Really? But I, I guarantee you, if, if, the, if the, that Jewish couple had showed up at our door in Perryville, knocking on the door, she'd have said, come on in, I'll get your bed ready, right? Because that's her, she has the gift of hospitality. Uh, then at the end of the day, when we were getting ready to leave, she goes, she tries up a conversation with the Amish farmer, right? And, and he needs to get a, to Phil, uh, Philadelphia, uh, his daughter or son or somebody lived up in Philadelphia, and he wanted to get up there to see them. Well, come on, jump in the car, go with us. We'll, we'll, we're headed that way. We'll take you. That's her, right? She wants people to feel, even the stranger, to feel welcome and at home, and that's the gift of hospitality. And there's other people in our church who have the gift of hospitality. When someone comes in our church, when you see a, a visitor in our church, a guest in our church, man, you're, you're going to go back there, you're going to greet them, you're going to make sure that they're, they're comfortable, that they have everything that they need because you have the gift of hospitality. And man, do we need those with the gift of hospitality to exercise their gifts. If you have the gift 
of hospitality. Man, we need greeters on Sunday. Every Sunday, we need greeters. Someone to show up here early uh, to make sure when, when we do have guests come in that, that they feel welcome. That they feel welcome. They feel at home in our church. That, that they get to where they need to get, right? That they can find where whatever life group they need to go to if they're headed to a life group or, or find a good place to sit. Sometimes a guest would just like to say, hey, you want to come sit with me? I mean, uh, you, you can sit with me today. So we need people with the gift of hospitality in our church making f- people feel at home. In fact, if you have the gift of hospitality or service or helps or mercy, any of these gifts would fit uh, we need, we, we need a, a, a hospitality ministry in our church. We're, we're, that's, we're trying to set up a hospitality ministry in our church, and so we need people with those gifts. Th- those gift sets work well in a hospitality team to be here, to show up at, at uh, 845 on Sunday morning, to stand at doors and welcome people when they come in the door, help people get in who need help getting in help mothers get their babies out of their cars into the nursery to help seniors get up the 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 ramp and into their their classrooms to help people in the church to welcome guests to make sure they're taken care of to make sure they're felt they feel at home in our church if you have those gifts and uh, please come see me after service and let me get your name. Let me put you down because we need that ministry rolling right now. So if you have any of those gifts, please come see me and let me employ, help you employ your gift in the church. So what are your gifts? What are your gifts? Do you have any of the speaking gifts, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, teaching, exhortation, evangelism any of those gifts do you see some of the serving gifts in your your life leadership administration discernment faith service helps mercy giving and hospitality do you see any of these in your life how will you use them how will you employ them for the glory of god and the edification of his church i just want to tell you I feel most fulfilled in my life right here. Right here. When I'm standing in this pulpit, when I'm proclaiming God's Word, or when I'm in a classroom teaching people the Bible, I feel most fulfilled in my life. Why? Because that's what God created me to be. God created me to preach. He created me to teach. And I feel so much joy when I exercise the gifts that God has given me for the edification of his church. You want to feel satisfied? You want to feel fulfilled in life? Do what God has created you to do. Use the gifts that he has given you, and you will feel joy inexpressible and full of glory. You will feel fulfillment in your life. Use your gifts. Use your gifts, whatever they may be. Use your gifts. If you, if you don't know where to, to start, where to, 
to plug in, then please come see me. Come see me and let me help you get plugged in. Use your gift. Be what God created you to be. Now, of course, the only way that you have a spiritual gift is if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and the Spirit lives in you. He indwells you. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have the Spirit and you don't have a gift. And right now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, gifts aren't important to you. That's not what is important to you. What's most important for you in this moment is that you trust in Jesus. Because, dear friend, if you don't know Jesus, you're on a road to destruction. You're on a road to hell. Hell is real, and it's coming fast. You need to get off of that road. And you need to get on the road of eternal life. And that, that road starts by coming to Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Trust in Jesus. Know Jesus. Give your life to Jesus, and he will save you. That's where you need to be today. That's what you need to do today. If you've never believed in Jesus, turn to him today. Turn to him before it is everlasting too late. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for the gifts that you have given us to use in service for your glory and your church. And Lord, I just pray today that we would be faithful to use them. Each and every one of us, Lord, let us be faithful to be what you have created us to be, to be who we be, you have created us to be. And Lord, help us to realize the, the joy in serving as you've created us to serve. Now Lord, I do pray if there's those, and certainly there are those who are, are listening in today, who are, are here, or whether they're listening in on the internet somewhere, Lord, who've never trusted in you, who've never given their lives to Jesus, Lord, I just pray today you would touch their hearts. Touch their hearts. Let them see Jesus. Let them turn to Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.